0: On this episode of Resi Week, TIO gets some investment dollars, YouTube TV is on your TV, IoT Z-Wave security gets upgraded again, and ProSource has an ambitious growth plan. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is
2: AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation for Avi Nation is brought to
0: you by Middle Atlantic. This is ResiWeek, Week episode 62. Confusing her.
1: This is Resi Week.
0: Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt Scott for TV, And today I am pleased to be joined by Mitch Klein. He's the executive director of the Z-Wave Alliance. How are you, sir? Doing
1: fabulous. And a uh, good day to you and all you listeners. Ah. All our listeners. And viewers too,
0: I guess. Yeah, viewers too. That's so kind of you. Thinking that they're they're multiple. <sighs> <laughs> they are multiple. And the reason for that is because we have the one and only Jeremy Glowacki, the editor of Residential Systems with us today as well. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for that.
2: That's an impressive introduction and uh, feel great to be back now.
0: Thank you. That's what, that's what I'm all about. Is, is <laughs> great introductions. <laughs> And having people smarter than me on the show to, you know, make up for me. And I'm here, here right, too. Gen- <laughs> That's the way to kick it off. All right, gentlemen, okay. let's jump right into an article that comes to us from CE Pro and Jason <clears throat> Knott. TIO, that you may know at know of as Turn It On, has received some additional funding from an angel investment firm called Venture South. The fun part of the story is that, one, they don't uh, disclose what that investment was, but they seem to be pretty excited about it. So, Jeremy, I, I want to come straight to you with this. Is this something, you know, TIO, they've been around for a couple of years now. We've done some stories on them in the past. Um, and, and recently at uh, this this Home Tech, they, they won a Mark of Excellence Award as well. But Jeremy, is this something that is required for them to stay relevant uh, in, in the space?
2: Well, I, I don't know much about their finances, so it's hard for me to say. But I think that it shows that there's some investors, obviously, that have confidence in them that they're specifically looking at tech companies. Um, I think that um, it's a brand that, since it was acquired in 2015, has been um, more stabilized as far as uh, its Uh, relevancy and presence in the channel Um, uh, they they were had had like their ups and downs for sure before that and back to the colorado vnet days when that when that technology originated uh it was it was a bit of a rocky road so this to me shows that there's some stability there perhaps with their finances at least but um they they um they seem to have smart guys in uh at the helm there um they have um some good reviews that I've read. I haven't ex- experienced the product um, personally, um, but uh, it, you know I read something like this and it looks like, well, these are generally smart people at these investment companies. They're, some of this is uh, state um, supported. There's a North Carolina uh, angle there, I believe, or the Carolinas um, Southeast specifically as well. So it looks like investment in companies that are going to be hiring people in those areas um, one of their stipulations was that they hire some some set number of people within a city there so it sounds like uh, a local investment poss- um, plan as well as as you know and uh, you know encouraged by smart technology smart home technology
0: very good mitch is something like this not just the investment but the fact that there. are garnering that third party outside of the industry investment. Is that something to give dealers uh, or potential dealers a better feeling when looking at uh, maybe demoing TIO or or looking at adding it to their portfolio?
1: Honestly, I don't think that's relevant (laughs) to be quite candid. I think from an investment perspective, when you look at the numbers and depending on whose research you read, and I get this stuff all the time and I meet with a lot of different research firms, the numbers are very big. I mean, how many bazillion gazillion dollars in the IOT and then of that, what segment is the smart home and that smart home is going to be, I don't know, let's say $122 billion by the year 2020 or 2025. You have investment companies that want to get involved. They want a piece of that, Uh, how they, ended up coming to TO or TIO or whatever we're calling it, I can't say. And of course, like Jeremy, I don't know much about their finance. Uh, It's certainly encouraging to know that they have some more money backing behind them. But from my perspective, you know, look, uh, Google's put a lot of money into Revolve. And, you know, it's not just about the money. What you really need to look at is who is this company What is the platform they're using? Who is their target audience? Is it niche? I mean, it's a lot of moving parts to it. To me, the finance part of it is like after you've come come up with the rest. And yeah, I don't know much about TO, but what is the longevity expectation for yet another proprietary platform? Yeah, that's a good debate. Let's have it. (laughs) Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, move on from
0: there into something that came down late last week. YouTube is jumping into TV. And by that, I mean, they now are offering a YouTube TV package that's going to go head-to-head against Sling Direct TV and PlayStation View as your live broadcast over-the-web package solution. Now, they're rolling this out initially over... Uh, something like five states uh, fairly extensively and in in various amounts in other locations. Gentlemen, how how big of a deal is this that YouTube is finally into the official live TV space?
1: Yeah, I'll jump on that one to start. Go uh, for it. I think it's wildly exciting and as confusing as hell. I mean, <laughs> just go back to that chart you just showed yeah it's, it's brutal i can't oh my,
2: read that chart ah,
1: how the, well they need to break it down further yeah that's not enough i want to know what what programs on a and e am i oh, getting. Yeah. if i it is so freaking confusing and there's so much good content and unfortunately it's not always coming out of those four major networks that uh, you know abc cbs nbc mm-hmm. and fox it's coming out of a and e and history and lifetime and wow, this is confusing. So I talked to my millennial son or one of my millennial sons and he said, okay, what do we do? He just moved into a new condo. And I said, "Uh, this is a great time. You can cut the cord. You don't have to go with the big expensive $150 a month. And his response to me was, yeah, but if you cut the cord, then they charge you the same amount just to get the internet. What am I going to do about that? So I need the internet to get YouTube. So if I get the YouTube without the Comcast or the Verizon or whichever platform you're using, the numbers just don't work. So I'm trying to figure this out. So it's great that YouTube's doing it. I'm really excited. I would like someone to explain to me how I can cut my cord and go with one of these and then which one of those makes sense. That's great stuff. Well, I'm going to argue that
0: it's, A, I'm not the person to ask because I'm Canadian and we don't have any of this stuff. So we got
1: nothing. Uh, yeah, yes, huh? yes. No, you get you get BBC one, two, and three. That's it, right? <laughs> no, we get the others. We just don't get the web TV packages oh, okay. in, the, in the same
0: without they, they the cable did, co subscription. get the uh,
2: cr- curling <laughs> sports channel. Yes, all, all curling, all twenty four
0: hour curling. Yeah, but the nice thing is they have the four K cameras that go over the little bullseye thing that they throw uh, the rock at. Maybe uh, I, don't, I don't watch curling. No. no, but what I found really exciting about this. Is yeah, obviously if you dump the $150, you know, cable package, you're going from that add-on of internet service to a standalone internet service with the bandwidth required to do this. But is this not just another arguably great potential leap to actual web TV and, and actually having your 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 TV on the wall and that single network cable going to it? And that's it. Am I wrong, Jeremy? It's
2: getting closer um, I, I think that one of the points that was made in the review is the limitations. Obviously, the markets are limited now because they're just mm-hmm. in test markets but um, the the the, the, num, the channels don't add up as far as the competitive options that are out there, which obviously still involve like a, you know a major player that's not kind of independent, so to speak, even though this is a google owned product. Um, but YouTube sort of sort of starting from scratch with no strings attached to another brand. There, um, I think that, uh, like Mitch was saying I I'm still so confused about this. I I would not feel comfortable leaping into something yet. Like it just seems like you're gonna miss something. And if you're if you're one of these people that just needs the networks and you need ESPN, you know that's been a whole whole back kind of situation with cord cutters, sports, especially that's been the Mm -hmm. big one ever, you know, I do it except that I would miss my sports. Well, now you don't need to miss ESPN, but ESPN's not all of sports either. And I've got a cable Mm. package that is pretty extensive and very expensive. And sometimes I'm just flipping through and I'm watching some off-brand soccer channel and I enjoy it because, you know, it's in Spanish or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've got going <laughs> to do their thing Apple TV hasn't announced anything although if you start reading through the different different uh, trade and things like that mm-hmm. there's something it's They're about you know, on it. is there a word such as confusing her because that's about what it's going to get yeah it, it's it is to the point where and where I try to balance is it
0: is because we do so much resume we have a lot of um in my own personal company we have a a wide variety of customers but we do have all those clients that are buying those android boxes and the android tv boxes that are getting gray market or illegal depending how you want to look at it web streams Mm -hmm. and I, i i think the market is getting to the point where you're going to actually have to have a way to legally obtain some of that stuff and i'm not saying youtube's the way to go but it's gonna be a combination of all this stuff. And I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where it goes.
2: Well, hey, one quick, quick thing that we didn't mention here is that this is um, like a Chromecast type only product, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Chromecast, but it's a, it's a ca- cast it from your mobile device to the TV. So it's not exactly a beautiful fit for a living room, you know, entertainment room kind of situation yet. Um, you know, no, it's-
0: Any of these, really? Outside yeah. of maybe the the PlayStation, they're all a little funky, and you need that proprietary box.
2: Yeah, I just don't like the idea of streaming from my, you know, my iPad or you know iPhone for critical viewing, quote unquote. You know, something that oh, I, really I agree with
1: that. I agree. Yeah, I would concur with that. It, you know, it, it's it's been goofy. I have a Apple TV, and I'm streaming to that, and every once in a while. You can actually watch an entire program from beginning to end, but most of the time you can't. And there's something that comes in the middle and I'm with you on Jeremy on that. it,
0: it is it is in, it is surprising to for me to see how many of my clients are comfortable with that though. Hmm. They're comfortable with a uh, like a chromecast and and just casting whatever they have from their mobile to the screen. whereas myself, who you know is usually in that same sort of age category. It drives me nuts. I, I have no desire to do that, but some of the, the younger ones seem to be okay with it. But they're still wrong. So there's <laughs> that. <laughs> you said M- Mitch, you said we were going to be a little feisty today. So yeah,
1: well, so I'm an integrator. I mean, you've got obviously a couple integrators that watch watch your podcast. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. what do they do? I mean, customer says to them, you know, what do you do? Do you have a fire TV in one room, an Apple TV in another, do direct TV in another, pay for cable, and then just let them fight it out?
0: It, it, it's a very, it, it goes back to that whole solution-based argument of you put what the client wants in that room. Where, where I always find it kind of comical is if we have a household that is full of Androids or Samsung devices, we'll throw a bunch of Chromecasts in because that's what they want and that's what seems to work with them. And then they go and they're, company or, or corporate, whatever, switches them to Apple. And now all of a sudden it's like, Hey, can you come back and rip all this stuff out and give us a bunch of Apple TVs? Cause that works better in our new ecosystem. It, I don't know if there's a right way to do this yet, given,
1: given the options available. So in a way that yours is as an integrator, that's your recurring monthly revenue is constantly going back and switching over from one platform. to Hey, it could work, you know, <laughs> that could happen. You just got to market it right. That's <laughs> right. I you mean, do jour, That's what you're going to call it. I mean, the
2: key, the key here is that integrators just need to really familiarize themselves with these products. And of course, in those test <laughs> markets, they have an opportunity to try this, this new product out with, you know, these other secondary markets or tertiary markets are not going to be able to have an answer yet. But I would Mm -hmm. say that, you know, you have to beta test these things yourself as an integrator um, and then be the trusted advisor with your clients, you know? I mean, hey, this is not fully banked. If you wanna, if you really wanna try it, try it. But I think from our standpoint, we're gonna have more problems.
0: Well, and let's be honest, most integrators are not going to be jumping all over trying to sell their client, what, a $40, $50 Chromecast over a, a fully distributed HDMI or, or, or network-based system. That's what they, you know, that's where our customers usually are at. They're not the, you know, these are one-offs for that spare room yeah. uh, or for the apartment guys that don't need anything else, but they're also
1: not calling us for full surround and everything else well you know actually matt i think that that's a great topic you bring up because i wonder as that's what I'm, I'm here for yeah <laughs> i'm looking at uh, a lot of these uh matrix switchers hdmi or what have you switchers and i wonder is there really a life expectancy to that or are we really looking at streaming and you know you say well it's a one-off i'm not convinced it's a one-off i think this is really where it's going and some of these huge tens of thousands of dollar boxes may not be all that necessary if you put in a good network. Well, and that brings us back to the initial point of this is the start
0: now, now that there's you know four providers with fairly decent content. We're now getting closer and closer to that potential to where it is a one wire solution to each panel. And it is something that's served over the network opposed to local cable boxes or sat boxes or, even Apple TV boxes, we're we're getting there. And when we do, what does that do to the integration model the way it currently sits? It's not a hardware model, that's for sure. We've been saying that for years. Yeah. Yeah, it it very quickly goes from, are you strictly a, a hardware company or are you a service and software company? Well, the
1: good news is that when once you move over to this other, whatever that platform is going to be, the wireless platform, that monthly service contract is going to be critical because you're going to be servicing it. No doubt about it.
0: <laughs> that is correct. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, move on to another great uh, article that comes to us from engineering.com. And I think this is the first time we've been able to use one of their articles. And Mitch, this is obviously kind of directly connected to you. The, you know, on April 2nd, April 2nd, the Z-Wave Alliance uh, has imposed a new mandatory security protocol for all IoT devices seeking Z-Wave certification. This is going to be called the S2 Framework, which stands for Security 2. And uh, essentially, and I shouldn't be the one talking about this. We'll, We'll head over to Mitch for a second for a quick overview, but, Essentially it's going to give uh, each device a trusted class and one of three classes, access control for high security devices, authenticated for most household devices and unauthenticated for devices that are too limited to provide out of band authentication. Mitch, obviously this is a great thing for Z-Wave products uh, to know that something that's Z-Wave certified has security protocols in place uh, specifically, working off um, AES uh, 128, how much is this a, a leap forward in ensuring the security of these devices in a client's uh,
1: residence or, or facility? I mean, I, wow, this is—it's pretty impressive to be picked up by Engineering.com. I have to say, uh, this is this is a topic I could definitely go off for quite a long time on. And I won't bore you with that, but <laughs> just put a bit of perspective into it the Z-Wave platform has never been hacked. There is already and has always been security embedded into into Z-Wave products, only it's been optional for a lot of devices. It's never been optional for access devices or gateways. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say this is more of a happy coincidence in terms of timing, because of all the obvious high profile hacks and DNS and things like that. Uh, This is something we've been working on for over four years any platform that decides, hey, you know what, we need to do something with security, they're not gonna be able to roll it out as fast as you think we may have done that. It's been over four years. What this does is it locks down two of the potential uh, vulnerabilities in the smart home. One, of course, we know is internet access. As soon as one accesses your home through the internet, through the cloud, whatever you wanna call it, there's vulnerability. And S2 addresses that, and it won't bore you with the details unless you, your listeners really want to hear it. But it addresses it through a tunnel, which is exceptionally tight. The second piece is really what's called the man-in-the-middle attack. And if you think about it, going back a few years, you remember there's some high-profile people sniffing out car locks. So somebody would go unlock their car, and you'd have some ne'er-do-well kind of sniffing and waiting for that and intercepting it and unlocking a car. And that, that's called the man-in-the-middle attack and S2 addresses that, which requires kind of a pin code or a QR code, and again, how we do it, we can have a conversation about that another time. But those are the two potential vulnerabilities. They have never been exploited in z way but what this says is we've raised the bar. Uh, there's only one other company that has that level of security, and that happens to be Apple and Apple's HomeKit. They are every bit as secure, or we are every bit as secure as HomeKit, Please do read into that statement. We'll come back to that another time. <laughs> but there's no one else, no one, not Amazon, nobody, not ZigBee, not Wi-Fi, not Bluetooth. They're all exceptionally vulnerable, and they have not really addressed those vulnerabilities at this time. That's so good stuff for us and for our members. And for That's customers. Very good stuff. Very good stuff. Jeremy, because
0: of, obviously, you know, we've been talking security on this show um, for, for weeks, if not months, if not since the show debuted. Um, with dealers continuing to put more and more devices on the network and, and into people's homes that are susceptible to some form of um, you know, hacking or, or whatever you want to, however you want to look at it, how important is this for integrators to know that they can put in a Z-Wave device that has been certified and not only was it, you know, safe and secure beforehand, but it's even more so secure today. Uh,
2: I, I think it's a, a great peace of mind uh, statement there by by Z Wave, to be honest. And I, um, I still think I've listened to I listened to last week's show, and you were talking about security um, from the um, topic at the HTSA um, conference, and and the idea of you know, contractually, including something about security uh, from the integrator standpoint, uh, protecting yourself. I mean, I think all of that's so important and I thought that was a great topic you guys discussed and, um, you know, service plans and all that and making sure the network itself, you know, has security. But these devices, you don't want to have that vulnerability that you've read about, um, especially if you're a high net worth individual, Mm -hmm. You know, those, those are issues that I'm sure come to mind for those folks. And, um, you know, it depends on what they're into that, what they're going to add to the network. But to know that this family of products is secure. And the fact that it took four years. That's an interesting, um, detail there that I had no idea about that Mitch mentioned. I think that's really fascinating that this is not just a reaction type of move. Um, this is something that's been in the works and, uh, and, you know, has taken a lot of brain power to pull, pull together. Um, I think there's a, there's a good message there for the industry to be able to take to their customers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I know I was, I was recently in a, a training class and, and Z-Wave certification came up. And uh, again, it, it was something that I was aware that the process was fairly in, in depth. Um, but I, I will say that the out of the other 30 or so dealers in the room, only two of them realized that it wasn't just a, hey, you send your product off and it gets a stamp. Mm-hmm. That, it, that it, it, it's actually a deep, d- <laughs> sorry, but you know, there, there are things that are that simple.
1: Yeah, um, well, I, can, I can definitely tell you uh, <laughs> there are the emails from those that have had to send their stuff back for certification several times, because they didn't, get <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a deep dive and you must adhere to their qualifications before we will allow you to sell your product commercially. And we also have the Z-Wade police out there. I mean, I have a technical director that's constantly going after people who are putting the badge and not getting the certification. It's, you play whack-a-mole, bam, there's, you know, another one. You know, <laughs> go with the brands you know. And
0: <laughs> well, and that, that's the thing is that that's all just stuff that as a dealer gives me peace of mind, knowing that I can comfortably put this into someone's home. Knowing that it's going to work because let's be honest, IoT is still a little bit of a Wild West situation.
1: You and know, gentlemen. just to put it in perspective, just quickly, you know, this uh, yeah. is, is in, embedded into over 90% of the monitored security panels in North America. Mm-hmm. What that means is we, as as an organization, obviously we have a stake in the game to make sure the stuff is secure, but it means on the other end, companies like Vivend, Alarm.com, ADT, uh, 2GIG, I mean, I can go on and on. And all of the lock companies, they obviously believe that that it's being done properly and it's it's tightly and secured.
0: Very good. All right, gentlemen. Let's hit a, just a quick last story as we go. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Systems. Uh, Prosource is envisioning 800 members in five years. Uh, the quick hits to get out of this is that they uh, Prosource is obviously growing quite. Substantially, uh, this past year, they added 58 new custom installers and about $100 million in new member of volume. Jeremy, is this just another uh, buying group, if you will, that is, is doing well in the current economy or does this speak to something a little deeper?
2: It's a good question i don't, i don't know the exact answer, but all the buying groups seem to be adding members, and this is a bigger buying group and um, the fact that they're going for those types of numbers um, i'm just shocked at how many members of this industry there are potentially for a buying group it It always seems like a very intimate type of uh, industry to me when you see somebody saying we're going to add this many you know buying groups used to be sort of an exclusive kind of club you know, mm-hmm. and there was a reason for that you need give the manufacturers confidence that these are, um, you know, companies that are not going to go under your you know, confidence in doing business with them. And, uh, we've signed off on them. Um, so that's, that's like one thing. Um, I just, it's amazing that they're out there, they're available to add in at least in their, uh, estimates to grow that much, um, in a short amount of time. Um, the other buying groups that, that you, you know, um, are, A quarter of that size and uh, I think they're much more cohesive in that size. Um, I'm not saying that there's not that possibility with that big of a group but it seems like you know you get a smaller group you get the trust um, that you're not going to be meeting together with your competitors. You can be honest with each other. A lot of these meetings are really about sort of talking about trade secrets in a way. Things that you do to be successful in your market. You don't want the people that are your next door neighbor companies to be there, you know, <laughs> picking up on all your ideas. So um, I don't know how they're, they're going to pull that off, but that's another story. I, I do think it shows some, some success in the industry for sure though. That's a good point.
1: I think you bring up a great point, Jeremy. And I think that you lose some of that uh, interactivity. And to me, it seems that to grow to 800 members, the goal really is the buying power and that's it. Yeah. And you're one of the participating manufacturers, that's a big win. But if you're not, you're losing dealers. You are, you are really exposed. You're, you're starting to lose. So it could, it could cut either way, but I don't see being in pro group with 800 members and having uh, deep discussions with everyone on how you're marketing your business. I don't think that's well, going to Yeah. Happen.
0: Cause when you, when you look at their plan to have 800 members would kind of say that there's arguably 800 markets, and I, I'm not saying that's inaccurate, but I don't know if in North America, there's 800 solid high value residential markets.
1: Only in Minnesota by the thousand lakes. There's so a... each, each lake gets right. its own. Gets a mark. <laughs> Where did that
0: come from? I have no idea. <laughs> that's fantastic. I know. Mitch, one other question I had for you though is, is the attraction to buying groups like this, like ProSource, is the attraction strictly the buying power? Or, you know, as you, as you read through this article, they have their own marketing department for their members. They're, they're rolling out some fairly significant uh, marketing pushes, again, for, for their members. Is that as much of an importance to it or is it still just coming back to that, that bottom line of, hey, we can get our products cheaper?
1: Well, I think the buying piece of it, of course, is the biggest part. I mean, why join it if you're not going to get the money? Mm-hmm. But, uh, my understanding was uh, an important aspect of a buying group was that the members help to make sure you as a company stay in business and you're following the right trends and doing the right things. And it's not just about buying, but you know, I could be wrong. That could be changing now with the ProSource going to 800 members. In 800
0: markets, around 1,000 likes. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, that is all the time we have for this episode.
1: Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, mitch, where can people connect with you? Uh, you can connect with me at mitch at zwavealliance.org, and that's z-wavealliance.org, or you can just Skype me at Mitchell underscore Klein. And make sure you put your do not disturb on after 5 o'clock.
0: <laughs> Jeremy, thanks again for for joining us back from a busy... Week last week, where can people connect with you?
2: Well, now that I'm back from uh, lovely Orlando and Disney, um, <laughs> they can uh, find me on Twitter at, at Rezisis or they can email me at jaglowaki at nbmedia.com or visit residentialsystems.com to read our articles.
0: Very good. And for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Mattie Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avianation.tv, which just had a pretty awesome facelift. Uh, you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows that cover all of the topics and verticals we cover. When you get to our website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. They support us and we are thankful for that support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for joining us. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.